Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. So, turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 12. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 12. You can't talk about the gifts and call of God without breaking down, you know, the, the actual ministry appointments in the Bible. It says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. I want you to say gifts. Again, that word gift means favor. It means ability. It means grace. It means something that the Lord gave you, ability apart from merit. That word merit means that you didn't earn it. So I want you to hear this, and I'm going to circle back to it, but you must understand, God, Jesus does not appoint ministers because they're more spiritual than other people. He doesn't pick the best of the best, and then that's who gets to be a minister in the fivefold ministry. God appoints people apart from their own merit. Amen. And his own sovereign purposes. Now, I'm not te- teaching at all that we just go on about living an unholy, unrighteous life and live by sin and make a disgrace of the grace of God. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that I think that a lot of people think a lot of themselves and say, look how awesome I am. Look how spiritual that I am. Look how amazing and talented and gifted and all these things that I am. And it's, it's because of what I did that got me to where I am. That's a complete lie. It's by the grace of God that we are what we are. And it's by the appointment of Jesus Christ that each member of the body is appointed and functions in their specified role. So, we'll see this. You must understand as well that Jesus was all of these things. In your Bible, highlight apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, right there in Ephesians 4.11. Jesus was an apostle. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was an evangelist. Jesus was a pastor. Jesus was a teacher. He was all of those things. And so what does he do? Jesus went to heaven, and the Holy Ghost came down, and now he appoints men to fulfill that role of his in the earth. Amen. Jesus was all of those things, but now because he's in heaven, he appoints apostles, and they fulfill his apostolic role of what he stood in on this earth. He appoints teachers, men that are teachers. What do they do? They step into the shoes of who Christ was as a teacher in his ministry on this earth. They fulfill that role. And it goes that way through all the gifts. Amen. So let's start with this this morning. Number one, an apostle. Write this down, an apostle. What is an apostle according to the scripture? The word apostle, it simply means this. It means a delegate or an ambassador. And if you're anything like me, maybe because I'm, I'm younger, I read a delegate. I knew what an ambassador was, but I was like a delegate or ambassador. I, I have an idea of what that is. I know the United States Embassy and ambassadors, but I was like, really, what does that mean? And so this is what each of those definitions mean. A delegate is a person sent or authorized to represent others 
an elected representative. So basically, if we just took that, an apostle is a person authorized by Jesus Christ to represent Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's keep reading. What is an ambassador? It's an official representative to a foreign country. Another word used here is commissioner. What is a commissioner? One who appoints others. So this is, an apostle would be one that appoints others, a person that starts churches. I'm going to give you an example here. This is kind of a, a ridiculous example, but I feel like it's, it's accurate in some ways. But you know, when a restaurant, when a chain moves into a city, say Chick-fil-A. Well, I'm saying hypothetically, let's say Chick-fil-A. You don't have to actually say it. Hypothetically, Chick-fil-A moves into a new city. Before they just hire a manager, a local manager, you know what they'll do? They'll fly somebody in who's been trained in corporate. And that person will come fly in, and they know how to do every single job. So that person will be in charge of staffing. That person will be in charge of hiring. That person will be in charge of the first few months getting that franchise or that location up off of the ground and get it functioning and get it rolling, get the ball rolling, and then what will he do? He'll appoint other people to those positions, and then he hops back on his little plane, and he flies over here, and he does it again somewhere else. That is kind of, in a sense, like what an apostle actually is. They're sent by the Lord to establish a work, to establish the work of the gospel, to establish the work of the church, and what do they do? They disciple, they train, and they can kind of function in all the other gifts. Any person that you'll ever see as an apostle, you'll see that they also kind of operate as a prophet, and they're kind of like a pastor, and they're kind of an evangelist, and they're kind of a teacher as well. And what is all of this? It's because they're imparting that into all of the others to fulfill that role, and they get the ball rolling and the work established, and then the Lord sends them to establish another work. Praise God. So, church planters... Venice Dake said, an apostle is one sent with full power to act on behalf of another. So basically what that means is, what they say, establish, plant, who they, who they send, who they appoint carries the authority of Jesus. That's a high calling. When an apostle shows up and he says something, it's backed with the authority of Jesus Christ. It's just as good if Jesus Christ said it himself. When apostle shows up and he starts a local church and he appoints bishops and he appoints deacons, it's just as if Jesus Christ appointed them himself because they are the official representative of Jesus. Amen. That's what an apostle is. Praise the Lord. Let's keep moving. Number two, prophet. I want you to write prophet. What is a prophet? We all have our own ideas of what a prophet is and what a prophet should be, but I'm going to just simplify it. The definition of a prophet is those who speak for God. How easy is that? A prophet is a person who speaks for God. I know a lot of people, and we'll deal with this, they think prophecy is always just future telling. No, you know, that's a... That's, uh, What's those, those things? That's a psychic. Not that prophets can't.
can't deal with the future, but people like misinterpret that. People that you go and you get a little psychic car reading and they'll tell you about your future and the next five years of your life, that's not always, that's not just how a prophet functions. They don't always just deal with future events. It literally means a perfect, a person who speaks for God. Amen. So a person could stand up and speak a word that doesn't apply to the future, but applies actually to this very present time, and they're functioning in the gift or the office of a prophet. Well, you're like, they're not, they're not telling us what's going to happen to the United States in three years. No, but, that, but they are saying what God is saying right then. Amen. So a prophet is one who speaks for God. Another name for prophet in the Bible is they're preachers of righteousness. Would you think about that? A prophet, why are they called preachers of righteousness? Because that was mostly their message in the Bible. Think about the message of John the Baptist, who was a prophet. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He was out preaching to his people, preaching to his generation. Turn from your wicked ways. Live, come and repent to the Lord. Live a set-apart life. Get yourselves right with the Lord, because the kingdom's at hand. He, he was a preacher of righteousness, but he was a prophet of God. And then sometimes, so it's someone who speaks for God, preachers of righteousness, some, and sometimes foretell the future. Prophets can foretell the future. The Lord will speak to prophets about uh, events that will occur, that are, that are to come and to occur. Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 says this, Long ago God spoke, say God spoke, Many times, in many ways, to our ancestors, how did he speak? Through the prophets. Guys, this is so important because a lot of people totally throw these gifts out of the church. They throw these offices out. We don't want anything to do with the prophet because that's spooky and that's scary and it's edgy. And we don't, you know, we don't like that. We like the pastor thing. We like the teacher thing. You get into the other gifts, the other offices. We don't want anything to do with it. But, and then you ask them, how does it sound when God speaks? And they're expecting a, a open heaven and a voice to speak from an open heaven. And to see Jesus come down in the clouds and just have a conversation with them when they don't understand. When God speaks, what does it sound like? Most of the time it sounds like a prophet speaking. <laughs> because God speaks through prophets. What God has to say, he says it through the prophets. Amen. That's why we need those gifts. Amos 3.7 says, indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything. The Lord never does anything, nothing, nada, until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. That means that until, there's not one thing that God is going to do on this earth that he has not already revealed to a prophet. Amen. Do you see why it's so important that this office, that this gift is functioning in the body of Christ? To reject the prophet's office is to reject all insight to what the Lord is going to do on the earth. If you're disconnected from the prophet's ministry, then you have cut ties with having any insight of what the Lord is going to do on the earth and what the Lord is saying to the earth. One of the ideas that we get in the Bible about prophets comes from 1 Samuel chapter 19. It was known as the school of the prophets in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. A school of the prophets. You see in 1 Samuel 19 that Samuel actually led this, what was the school 
of the prophets. Later, Elijah led the school of the prophets. After that, Elisha led the school of the prophets. Um, And so in those days, in the Old Covenant, if somebody wanted to be a prophet, wanted to be used by God in that way, they would join what was known the school of the prophets. What was the school of the prophets? It was basically this. This is Finistake's note. It says, it seemed that men who desired to be prophets gathered together to learn the ways of God and to be trained in divine matters. So these people that wanted to be prophets, they would gather together and they would sit underneath one of the standing prophets. They would learn from them. They would listen to them. They would receive impartation from them. They would go where they went. They would do what they do. And a lot of times you see different people, even King Saul, as he approached the school of the prophets, the spirit, the anointing jumped on him and he began to prophesy. So they would actually function in the same anointing of the prophet that they were sitting underneath. They would receive impartation from them. Amen. They, these school of the prophets, they were the preachers of their days. They were the ones that were out preaching to the people of Israel. The same is true today. If you wish to function in this gift or in the office, you must be given to learn the ways of God and trained in divine matters. If you feel that call to the office of a prophet or you feel that call that the Lord's given you the gift of prophecy, let me tell you, you can't just sit at home and do nothing but eat Cheetos and watch Netflix. You have to give yourself over to being trained up in the things of God and trained up in divine matters. Praise the Lord. That means that you give yourself to ministry training. You give yourself to coming, sitting underneath other people, learning how they do what they do, learning to flow and function in their gifts. That's how it was done in the Bible when you wanted to be a prophet. Amen. Summary of what a prophet is, it's one who speaks on behalf of God, appointed to the body of Christ to reveal the purposes of God. One who speaks, that's the title of an apostle, One who speaks on behalf of God, appointed to the body of Christ to reveal the purposes of God. They're God's mouthpiece. Amen. Some people are the hands, some people are the feet. God has a tongue and he has a mouth. Who is that tongue and who is that mouth? It's the prophets. (laughs) Okay, number three, evangelist. Can you say evangelist? You know, there's really not a whole lot in the Bible about the office of the evangelist. There's not a ton, to be honest with you. There's actually only a few times that that word evangelist is ever even used. And it's used of Philip in the book of Acts, Philip the evangelist. And it was also instructed by Paul to Timothy, Timothy, do the work of of an evangelist. Sorry for the stutter. So what does that word mean? It means a bringer of good tidings. Very simple, a bringer of good tidings. What is the good tidings? It's the message of the gospel. You know, the word gospel means good news. A bringer of good news, the one who brings good news, the evangelist, the message of the gospel. I want you to see if this word's broken up. You got Eve, angel, A-N-G-E-L, list. So literally, it consists of the word angel. Angel is part of the makeup of the word evangelist. Well, what's significant about 
angel with evangelist. What does that mean? An angel, according to the Bible, what is an angel? They are a herald of the Lord, one who carries a message. That's what an angel is, is a herald of the Lord, one who carries a message. So that's, that's part of the makeup of an evangelist, one who carries a message. Think about an angel brought a message to Daniel. All the vision that he had in the book of Daniel, an angel brought him that vision and that interpretation. An angel appeared and gave the message of the Lord to Mary. An angel appeared and brought a message to Zechariah, John's dad. An angel appeared outside the tomb at Jesus' resurrection and said, who are you looking for? You know, he's risen. An angel appeared in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus ascended, and he said, the same way that you saw him go, he shall return. An angel came with a message from the Lord. Okay, so another definition of evangelist is this. The name given to the New Testament heralds of salvation through Christ who are not apostles and so let me just break this down the difference between an apostle and an evangelist is an apostle an apostle I should say it like this evangelists are like apostles in the way that they bring a message to a region but they don't plant a work apostles do So they'll kind of function in the same way. Apostles will show up in a territory and they'll establish and plant a work. An apostle can carry the message of the gospel. An apostle can function like an evangelist to get the ball rolling. But an evangelist, after he brings that message, he doesn't stay and plant the work and train up and disciple and and appoint bishops and appoint elders and appoint deacons. He doesn't do any of that. He just simply is sent out by the Lord to go take the good news. Amen. So, and they're also similar to prophets in the way that they are messengers of God. So they're messengers, just like prophets are ones that speak for God. So what's the difference between a prophet and an evangelist? If an evangelist is a messenger and a prophet's one who speaks for God, shouldn't they be the same thing? No. Prophets will differ from evangelists in the way that evangelists come bringing the message of the gospel And prophets express the purposes of God concerning diverse matters. So a prophet doesn't just speak to the message of the gospel. The prophet can speak to future events. The prophet can speak to community events. The prophet can speak whatever God is saying in that exact moment. But the evangelist sticks to the message of the gospel. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Are y'all learning anything this morning? Hallelujah. It says Saul, Acts 8.1, was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church, and he went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered, preaching the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria. This is the only true person identity of an evangelist that we have in the Bible. 
went to Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs that he did. Wow, here's another little nugget for you. Philip was not one of the 12 apostles. So the whole doctrine that only the apostles could operate in signs, wonders, and miracles, that was just for the 12. It's not true. Again, Stephen operated in signs, wonders, and miracles. Philip operated in signs, wonders, and miracles. It was not just the 12 apostles. Praise the Lord. Another thing is this, is that God always gives signs, wonders, and miracles as an authenticator to the message that's being preached. So that's why you see it following the message or the ministry of the evangelist is because, you know, we live in a world of many gods. You say you have your God, I have my God. What's the difference? What's the difference besides a book? If you were to go talk to the Muslims and say, I believe Jesus is the Lord, and they say, no, we believe in Muhammad, and we pulled out our book and showed them, they'd pull out their book and show us and say, no, this is what our book says. No, this is what our book says, and it would become an argument. God gives signs, wonders, and miracles because it makes the distinction and it proves who is the one true God. Just like Elijah called a fire down from heaven, and he said to the prophets of Baal, you call out to your God and see what happens, and I call out to my God. And so the Lord gave signs, wonders, and miracles as a backing of the message that was being preached. This Jesus that I'm telling you about, he's alive, he's resurrected, he sits at the right hand of God, and since he's alive today, he'll touch your body today. Hallelujah. And people would get healed just like they do today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we keep reading. It says, crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs that he did. Many evil spirits were cast out screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in the city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer for many years. It says, amazing, the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believe Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. See, Philip preached, very simple, the message of the gospel. Hallelujah. That's fundamentally what the evangelist does. And we'll wrap this up in just a moment. It says, it says, then Simon himself believed and was baptized and he began following Philip wherever he went and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question right now. How come Philip didn't get them baptized in the Holy Ghost? Why didn't Philip do it? Why didn't Philip just pray for him, right? He was doing signs, wonders, and miracles. Why didn't Philip do it? Because there's different functions in the body of Christ. 
Philip didn't try to be a one-man show and do everything. He understood my call is to the message of the gospel. And as soon as I get these people saved, I need to filter it to the other ones who God has gifted and what he's appointed them to do. And Peter and the other apostles came and laid their hands on them and got them filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost. Man, that's a very good picture of people that understood their gift, understood their call, and just submitted to what the Lord asked them to do. Amen. I always read that and I ask, Philip, why didn't you just pray for him? No, because that was the role of the apostle to do that. Amen. And again, so, I mean, it really boils down to this, that if we kick the different offices out of the church, there will be things that the church will never receive because they're only received through certain offices. Praise God. That's why I love at this church. I've brought in evangelists. In a couple weeks, you're going to have a prophet come in. And because you can't just have, if you just have one out of five things, you're malnourished. You need an even diet. You need to receive impartation evenly from the different gifts appointed to the body of Christ. Don't shout me down. That's a good one, but. <laughs> Amen. So it says, verse 18, uh, you know, let's skip down to this. Verse 25, after testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. Look at this. They stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. As for Philip, the angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met a treasurer from, of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. So I want you to see this little part here as well in the word of God. It says, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. Did Philip return to Jerusalem? No, he did not. Why? Because Peter and John were not evangelists. They were apostles. They were in charge of planting this work and, and raising up other people and appointing and training, but that wasn't necessarily Philip's role. Philip's role was to be sent out carrying the message of the gospel. Amen. And so, let's continue to read here. Basically, Philip encounters this eunuch. He preaches the gospel to him. The eunuch stops and says, there's some water right there. Let me get baptized. They get out. He gets saved. He gets baptized. And then it says this in the Bible. It says, verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but he went on rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north in the town of uh, Azotus. He preached the good news there in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Again, what do you really see in this role? The moment that Philip got this man saved and baptized, he was snatched away. That word snatched away, it's actually kind of like a picture of the rapture as well. Same type of thing. It's like the Lord literally translated him teleported him. He was in one place and the Lord just caught him away and put him in a completely different place. And you just see this ministry of Philip. He would go bring the gospel. He didn't stay and disciple and mentor and appoint. He just went, brought the gospel, went, brought the gospel, went, brought the gospel, went, brought the gospel. That is what an evangelist does. Hallelujah. So about done here. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
So here's a summary of what an evangelist is. It is one who is appointed by Jesus to the body of Christ, who is sent to different areas with the primary purpose of preaching the gospel of salvation and winning the lost to the Lord. One who is appointed by Jesus Christ to the body of Christ, who is sent to different areas with the primary purpose of preaching the gospel of salvation and winning the lost to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I, I have more. We're going to continue on the, the pastor and the teacher and then answer some questions about the fivefold. But for today, for this service, I feel like I gave you quite a bit to chew on and to, and to think about. And so I'm going to end with the teaching today and we'll finish and continue the rest of this tonight. But before I do, I just want to do a couple things. Can I have everybody, if you're willing, will you stand to your feet? Praise the Lord. Hannah, jump on the piano for me. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. I want to just ask two questions. Again, I know we're teaching some things out of the Bible, and this may not have been a message that's just jumping and screaming and shouting and, oh, man, I'm going to go take the world. Maybe it was for you. I don't know. But, it, you know, it is something out of the Bible that people need to understand. But needless to say, I want to make sure that everybody in this room has an opportunity. If you're here and you fit into two categories, number one, you say, I've never given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Young or old, it doesn't matter. You say, I cannot remember a distinct time in my life. I think that I've, I've went to church, I've been a part of circles, I've done things like that in the past, but I can't remember one time that I stepped forward and actually publicly made a declaration for the Lord Jesus Christ. Say publicly. You know, it's not just something that we all just, okay, bow your heads and then no one knows who you are. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before man, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. There is something to be said about a public declaration, a public acknowledgement, where you say, I'm not afraid and I'm not ashamed for anybody and everybody to see that I've decided to follow Jesus. I give him my life. I repent of my sin. And he washes me clean. And now I devote my life to service of him. If you've never done that before, I want to make sure that you don't leave this place without that opportunity. I want to make positive of that. And number two, if you say, well, I've done that before. But then number two, you say, well, I made that decision, but I didn't stick with it. I fell through. And I'm not talking like you made a mistake and you slipped up and, and, and the Lord's dealt with you about it. I'm talking that you have deviated from that path. And you say, I no longer would consider my life a path where I follow the Lord consistently. That I've turned from him. I've allowed myself to grow lukewarm. I've allowed myself to grow cold. And you say, today, I just want to make a fresh commitment. I want to just receive a, renew a renewal of spirit today and just freshly dedicate my life and claim that blood over me and wash me cleanse and, uh, clean and repent of everything that I've ever done and have a clean slate as of today. If that's you, 
I want every head bowed. If you fit into either one of those two categories, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to just lift your hand right where you're at. On the count of three, one, two, three, if that's you. Either one. We have one. Thank you, Jesus. We have one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on up, brother. Thank you, Jesus. Here, come stand over here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Have you ever been baptized before in water? Yeah? Did I? Okay. Praise the Lord. That was several years ago. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all just stretch out your hands and pray. Which one? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He publicly acknowledges you in front of everybody, unashamed, unashamed to stand for you. So, Lord, touch him right now in Jesus' name. Renew his spirit. Renew his spirit. Hallelujah. Fresh fire of the Holy Ghost. Fill him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord just forgives you. According to his word, the Lord forgives you. Everything that you've done that's considered sin. It is no longer counted against you in the mighty name of Jesus. You're a brand new creation, washed by the blood, filled with the Holy Ghost. Now your feet are set on a straight path where the Lord now, it says that he'll watch over you. He'll guide and direct your steps and he'll cause all things to work out for your good because you're loved and called according to his purposes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just say it. Say, Lord, I repent and I publicly acknowledge you. I surrender my life afresh to you today. Use me, Lord. Thank you for giving me the Holy Ghost. I am your servant. You are my master. You are my father. You are my provider. You are my righteousness. You are my healing. You are all things to me. And I receive you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Y'all give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me just ask this other thing. We preach the gospel. We believe the gospel. Just as Philip went preaching, and it says signs, wonders, and miracles followed him. We've seen many signs, miracles, and wonders happen in this church amongst these believers. We've had people get healed of cancer. We've had demons cast out. We've had people passing stones out of their body. I mean, this the craziest things you'd never believe. The Lord still does it today. Amen. Because Jesus is alive. He's resurrected. If he's alive and resurrected and he went around healing the sick and doing good, 2,000 years ago, and he's the same today as he was yesterday, then that means he still does it today. Praise God. Praise God. And so if you're in this place and you say, my body's been afflicted with sickness, my body's been afflicted with disease, and I believe without a shadow of a doubt that if I receive prayer today, that that affliction and that disease leaves whenever that prayer is given. If that's you and you say, I would like to receive prayer, and you believe that that is what's going to take place, I want you to just come forward and let us pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody in here say, I need prayer for my physical body today. 
You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be ashamed. If it's nobody, that's fine. If it is, come forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. We have one. Thank you, Jesus. If you're a believer in here, I want you to just begin to pray. When you begin to pray and set your faith, the Lord's going to touch her body. doesn't matter what it is. We know the source of it, that the source is the devil. The source, sickness and disease was not in the Garden of Eden. It never entered into this world until man fell, until sin entered into the world. And so sickness is a spawn of its father, the devil, and its mother, sin. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you redeemed us from sin. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave us all authority over the power of the devil. So thank you, Lord, that we have authority over every sickness and disease. Anybody else, don't miss your opportunity. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Come on, I want you to pray in this room. One hand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray, 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 pray in faith. Pray in faith. Build an atmosphere of faith right now. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, be healed right now. Right now. Healing. Healing right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, I curse. I curse that infirmity. According to the word of God, it must obey that name right now and flee and leave. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 Now, this is important. Jesus said... We can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, you shall have it. So I want you to just lift your hand and say, I believe I receive my healing as of today. I am healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, y'all. Rejoice with it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Touch your people, Lord. <laughs> Touch your people with the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this place. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody they know that needs to be saved, that needs to be healed, that needs to be baptized, that they would get them here. They'd get them to this church and let them hear the message of the gospel. And, Lord, you'll touch their life and you'll transform them by the power of the Holy Ghost and by your word. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Let me just pray a blessing over each and every one of you. Lord, I stand on your word. As it says in Psalms 1, that those that delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night shall be trees planted along the riverbank who bear fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in everything that they do. I thank you, Father, and I decree it 
done by the word, that these people are blessed, that this word has went out and went into them, and it shall produce a tree of life in which they will eat the fruit. Their their week will be blessed in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for finances. I thank you for provisions. I thank you for opportunities. I thank you, Lord, that the things that the devil has tried to stick his hand in and rearrange and destroy and devour is rebuked from this morning forward. And everything that was going south turns around today and goes north in Jesus' name. Complete turnaround in the mighty name of Jesus. These people are blessed in their coming. They're blessed in their going. I decree that they are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, that you will bless the work of their hand in everything that they do. They shall prosper and be successful and be amazing, glorious witnesses for you, Jesus. We give you praise, honor, and glory in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Just shout to the Lord if you receive that. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.